Good afternoon. Welcome to Tom's World Language Cafe, coming to you live from Franklin, Indiana. It is Friday, December 13th. Not a good day for superstitious people, but at any rate, it's Friday the 13th, and it is cold in Franklin. Cloudy and cold today. So, um, if you're in a warm climate, you're very fortunate. Uh, we are not in a warm climate today. Um, would like to uh, thank the uh, folks at Apple the, for sponsoring our Apple podcast. And um, also uh, thank uh, Sarah Colborn Alsop for being our guest today. Sarah, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Tom? I'm good, thanks. Uh, you want to tell the audience a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and... Um, a little bit about your family? Sure. So I'm originally from Wisconsin. I grew up just outside of Madison in Oregon, Wisconsin. It's a farming area, but which has actually become more of a suburb, really, of Madison at this point. Um, I currently reside in Franklin, Indiana with my family, my husband and two children. And I teach at Franklin College, which is about 10 minutes from our home. So... Now, you teach at Franklin College, but normally, but this has been a special semester for you, hasn't it? Oh, yes. It's been a great semester. Oh. I had the opportunity uh, to have a sabbatical. Um, After how many years? How many years have you been teaching? A while. Uh, I'm, in, I'm in my 19th year at, at Franklin. 19 years yeah, at Franklin yeah. College. Wow, that's, that's quite a while. And... Uh, so you've been on sabbatical. Have you been doing some interesting things on your sabbatical? I imagine so, right? I sure have. I've had three specific projects I've been working on, and probably the one that's of most interest in terms of this podcast today is I'm developing a course on diversity uh, called uh, We Are All African, Real Talk About Race and Racial Identity. Which uh, you're going to start that course in the fall semester? No, this next semester. In this coming spring. Spring yes. semester our, soon. Our semester starts wow. in February. Mm-hmm. I, I bet you're excited about that. How many te- uh, students do you think will probably be in the class? Currently, I think I have ten enrolled, which well, is good. a really nice. That summer. is nice. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, tell the listeners a little bit about Franklin College. I know it's one of the great liberal arts schools in the Midwest and in the country, really. Uh, so could you tell the, the listeners a little about Franklin College? Sure. Uh, Franklin College is about 25 minutes south of Indianapolis. So it's it's really um, a neat location. As far, lots of liberal arts schools don't have, aren't fortunate enough to have a big city right out their back door. So one of the nicest things is if there's events, cultural events that are going on in Indianapolis, we can get there. It's a hop, skip, and a jump. The city itself of Franklin is, is beautiful. I um, would recommend it to anyone just for the restaurants, shops, um, cultural events that take place. The college is about 1,000 students. Um, it's four years to liberal arts. We have a core curriculum, and one of those um, components is that each student, before their four years is up, has to take a course on diversity, which was where my interest came into actually teaching a course. Now, obviously you are um, a big uh, promoter of foreign language study or world language study. Uh, Why do you think it's important for college students to study a a world language? I think studying a world language, even if you're not gonna major or minor, is, is essential. Any little bit 
that you can glean about another culture gives you so much more insight into your own and to your role in this world and your opportunity to be an advocate for other cultures and understand different ways of viewing things and, and really respect that. Now, I know you has, have spent quite a bit of time in Spain. Uh, how long did you live in Madrid? Now, you were in... I was you, in Madrid. For the Middlebury College program, correct? Correct. I did my master's in Madrid um, through Middlebury College in Vermont. So that required six months on their college campus in the summer, and then it was an academic year in Madrid. And you did your undergraduate uh, degree where? At Ripon? At Ripon College, also a liberal arts institution, um, about the same size, about 1,000 students. Um, in fact, they have a lot in common. And from my liberal arts experience, I knew um, long-term that I wanted to teach at a liberal arts because I found the understanding, taking lots of subjects and being able to see the uh, connections between them is really something uh, special, important, special. special. And in today's ever-changing world, what you need most are critical thinking skills. So, do that. and I know you uh, got your doctorate at uh, Indiana University, uh, your, your PhD at Indiana University, and you met your uh, husband there. Mm-hmm. In uh, the same place where I met my wife. Yeah. In the same building, right? Right. Valentine Hall. How strange is that? Yeah. And for Definitely. the listeners, I met my wife for the listeners in medieval Spanish literature class. And we were in doing our uh, master's work for our, our master's in Spanish literature at uh, IU in Bloomington. And Sarah met Dan while they were working on their doctor's degrees. And uh, and Sarah, her doctor's degree, and Dan got his master's there at IU and his PhD at Purdue. Uh, so, um, but you're quite quite a teaching team, right? Now, you both teach at Franklin College. That's correct. We're both in the yeah. modern language department. Well, they're very fortunate to have both of you. Well, very thank you. fortunate to have your great creativity. Um, now, the um, teaching brings a lot of memories, right? So, mm-hmm. what are two or three of your favorite memories of teaching? I think some of my favorite uh, memories have to do with um, travel courses um, where we've gone to Guadalajara in because we have a winter term in January. We've taken, oh my gosh, I took six or seven different groups every other January um, for quite a while um, before we had our kids. Um, and those experiences, there's nothing like actually being in the culture and to mm. actually be with the students as they were learning. And what about that trip to Cuba was nice too, right? That trip was wonderful. And that was recent. Um, mm-hmm. So we did that in the summer and that was a terrific experience. Yeah, so the travel experiences, I would also highlight having working at a small college, it's really fun to be able to see the development of your students from first year all the way to fourth year and... Um, and really see how far they come. It's very exciting. Now, uh, this course that you're developing next semester is I find very interesting. Thank the, you. the ideas that you've told me about, and, and that is about cultural diversity. Correct. Um, and uh, why is it so important for the United States, for example, that many of us become more aware of cultural diversity in our own country? And not just, I know we're, we're talking today a lot about African uh, mm-hmm. American culture, but yeah. also other cultures, right? Yeah, absolutely. As well, which I, includes what? The cultural diversity would include. Well, my course will focus on black history, but 
you can't talk about black history without also talking about other people of color. Um, so you have Latinos, um, you have um, the Asian cultures, you have Native American cultures. So even though our focus will be on that, everything we do, I think um, you can then, and we, I will ask my students to think about in terms of these other cultures as well. Yeah, that's one of the things that, for me, it's always been fun teaching language to uh, be able to say that uh, that we help somewhat with yes. with the understanding of diversity, help our students, and especially the white students, uh, yes. who many of them come from small towns, small cities, and they haven't seen a lot of cultural diversity like someone from New York City, Correct. let's say, or yes. Chicago or Indianapolis, right? So... How, what would you tell somebody in Indianapolis who's lived here their whole life and uh, why they would want to take your course? Well, uh, and let's say they've lived in a white neighborhood most of their life in a suburb and haven't had much contact with people from other cultures. Now, that sounds silly somewhat. Your listeners might think that. But there are many people in the cities they're all not in, in, in diverse neighborhoods right? and, uh, and throughout our country. And uh, uh, sometimes I think we've been a little remiss. Maybe maybe you haven't done as well in, in, in education, uh, mm-hmm. the teachers, mm-hmm. with teaching about cultural diversity. Um, and I don't just mean uh, world language teachers. I mean a lot, about every teacher that it seems like we all need to be uh, teaching the kids uh, directly or indirectly a lot about cultural diversity to make everyone welcome in this country. Um, so um, so in your course, I know you've been doing a lot of work in, uh, on some of the books and some of the, t- the neat things. What have you found out? I bet it's been amazing what you found out. Oh, so this sabbatical has really served almost like an independent study for me. And I cannot tell you in terms of what I'm learning, because you point out something really important. In our educational system, we have really done a cursory job in a lot of ways of teaching history, and particularly when it comes to people of color. And some of our narratives that we are still continue to some extent are more myths than reality. So this course and this time period that I've had to do a bunch of research, I can tell you without shame, I am 48 years old and learning things that I never knew. Um, And the course will focus um, primarily on racist, systemic racism. And people throw that around and you may not understand what that means. What it really means is looking at policies in our culture that hold people of color back. And you can look historically at housing, getting loans, who gets those? Those are some of the questions we'll be looking at. Education. How is that? How how did separate but equal pan out? And how is it panning out currently? Jobs. Jobs. Voting. This is a big one. Huge. Voting. Um, there's so many different things, um, and they and people of color have been intentionally held back. And people need to understand this. And let me be clear, it is not the, the objective of this course to shame anybody. No, no. Because that's, I think people fear, um, white people fear talking about race and racism, because you can't talk about race without talking about racism. But they fear that it's going to be pointing of fingers, and that is not the goal at all. And I want to read something, because I had a friend who was honest when I told her I was teaching this course. I had a friend who said, listen, I think this course sounds great, but 
do you think students will feel like they're being shamed? And I said, I have something I want you to read, and it's something I'm going to read to the students the first day. And it's a quote from Beverly Daniel Tatum. She's a famous author. Um, one of her most famous books is Why All the Black Kids Sitting, Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria and Other Conversations About Race. So she tackles this topic in her book. It's a fantastic book, but here's the quote that I'm going to share with students on the first day. The messages we receive about assumed superiority or inferiority shape our perceptions of reality and influence our interactions. While the task for people of color is to resist negative societal messages and develop an empowered sense of self in a racist society, the task for white people is to develop a positive white identity based in reality, not on assumed superiority. In order to do that, each person must become aware of their whiteness recognize that it's personally and socially significant and learn to feel good about it, not in the sense of KKK's quote-unquote white pride, but in the context of commitment to a just society. So the goal is to really share things I've been learning to, with the students um, from the beginning, from the beginning, the inception of this country and, and slavery and what that meant and how that still you can see the ripple effects of these things still playing out and learn how to be advocates to speak up when you when somebody um, says something that you don't agree with and explain to them not in a shaming way but in an educated way that you are telling this person everyone here belongs and we have to think about that for the good of our society yeah that's uh... That's really good. It sounds like it's going to be a fascinating uh, start for the class. Uh, what about this? Um, well, we talk about this all the time, politics-wise. Yeah. You know, the racism that's going on around the world, not right. just in the United States, but around the world. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, racism and uh, refusal, to, uh, refusal to really support the immigrants and uh people wanting to come to our country, et cetera, and those who are here, already here. Correct. And um, uh, I was going to bring a little story up about the, the cafeteria, the, the high school cafeteria. When I was teaching in high school, this goes back to 1986, around 1985, 1986. I was in a big uh, suburban high school, almost 3,000 students. And so I'd always get one of the worst... Uh, jobs in the school. <laughs> I don't know why. I guess because I was a male teacher to, to do it, but I had cafeteria duty. And uh, uh, there would be like 700 kids eating lunch in this huge cafeteria. And uh, when we had busing in the school, and uh, the inner city kids got bussed out to the suburbs, and most of the kids were uh, uh, Af Afro-American kids. And uh, they sat by themselves mm -hmm. when it first started. Then for a while, there was more integration. And then probably the last eight years I was at that school, eight or ten years at the school, there was more uh, back to sitting with their, the Afro-Americans, sat with the Afro-Americans. Mm -hmm. And the white kids sat with the white kids. And the Latinos kind of sat with the Latinos. And we ended up uh, not with a lot of cultural integration of culture and uh, and I think that was very very true of probably most high schools in the United States oh, sure. where busing had taken place mm -hmm. and uh, again 
there has to be a way to educate people better than what we've been doing. Correct. And if if we had if we knew a better way, or if we know one, we should probably be doing it now Correct. or learning about it. Yes. Because it's causing, as we've seen through the media and the politicians on both sides, it sometimes that, that it causes a lot of political problems in the United States. Oh yeah. And unrest among people, and especially the uh, the uh, people of color. Sure. Uh, that are living in rest. And we know that in, in many of the big cities, the Latino community is in, in, invisible. It's like an invisible community. Mm-hmm. They they don't want to be seen because they don't have their right papers or whatever, and they're scared to death half the time. So, uh, you know, those are type of things that we need to be thinking about, right, in our educational 100%. system. And, and so, I would say all of us in our own way have been insulated. Yes, correct. Insulated and told don't talk about race. Yes. It, you know, it was lots of years ago when those things happened and silence is the answer. Well, we know historically silence is very dangerous. And the only way to move forward is to talk about what has happened and how we can think of ways to improve it so it doesn't continue to happen. But the, the irony of this and the strangeness of, of, of racism is that a lot of this is color. It's color yes. related. If you are born white in the United States, you have a, a huge advantage, and uh, and yet uh, people don't want to admit that in many cases, but it's very true, I think. Yes. And the statistics have proven that out over the years, but all this uh, thing about color—is there some way we can? Uh, we, we've talked, you, you and I have talked about this, I think, about human beings. Yes. You know, we're all the same. Everybody's the same. We, That's everybody, a good point. You everybody has a body. We all have this physical body. And if you took the color away and we were all white or black or whatever, uh, would it matter, right? I mean, we'd all be the same. But what difference does it make, right? We've seen these pictures on Facebook and Instagram, you know, where they have these pictures of all the different colors, but we're all one, right? right. We're all the same thing. And it's true, you know, if we take away the color, it, we're all the same. And that's probably how we have to look at it, right? The race thing that we have to say, you know, we're all in the same boat. And, you know, somebody could be in a ghetto in uh, China or they could be in a ghetto in South America living and they get up every day, though. But their basic thing is they have to make get food. They have to buy stuff to be able to survive and feed their family. The parents and the kids have to try to get some type of education. So they're all everybody's trying to do better with their lives. And that's why it's sad, isn't it? That there, well, we, we have think, to have any tension about this. I think you well, I think you bring up some really good things. First of all, for since the inception of slavery in our country, our founding fathers and other fellow intellects have worked very hard to justify this concept of holding another race down. That is the basis, that is colonialism, that is white supremacy. And one of the theories that they espoused, and people still believe, and this is going to be important for me to share with students, race is not biological. We are all one species. We are all, so going back to your point, we are many different colors. We are all one species. We came from three gene pools in Africa. Yes. And that is not to say that race as a social construct is not important. Money is a social construct. Yes. We don't say that's not important. Right. So it's here. So we need to talk about it. And within that, you've got to be able to talk about the racism and that piece. So for me, the biggest thing is to get to the point where you 
see what you say. We are all humans. We are all wanting the same things. That's that's freedom, which we say we give everyone in this country, and happiness to just live their lives as they see fit. And I think that's where I want to go with this and, and have the students understand. Because when you start with the concept that we're two different species, that's a dangerous thing right there. First of all, it's false. Second of all, it leads to so much more issue than actually seeing us as one united group. Well, and it, and it, it comes down to the immigrants as well, the people that come over from from Asia, from Latin America, and, and the, and the uh, Arab countries, and they come to the United States. And, uh, and again, it, it makes no sense not to be tolerant of other cultures, and meaning that it's a plus for us when the people are here. They're going to have talents, and it adds to our talent pool Absolutely. for our own country. And then it just makes for a superior country, which is what we've been doing since we were a, a country. The inception of our country, we always had immigrants. And, uh, and But this the kind of nonsensical uh, things that were these things we're doing now, that, you know, it, it, we should be happy that people want to come to our country and welcome these people. And they're wonderful people. And there was a thing, uh, I, I saw a little slogan the other day, it said, or one, one woman said, if the immigrants can walk 2,000 miles to cross the border, they can be my neighbor any day, right? Correct. And that, that's probably correct, don't you think? Oh, absolutely, 100%. And I think if even if you, it's hard for you to wrap your mind around accepting everyone is equal, which should be something we should all be working toward if we're not already there, you have to understand the importance of the immigrants as the backbone of our economy. The reason you have food on your table is the immigrant work. Yes. Um, the reason why we have all kinds of different base level foundations are the work of immigrants. And to take the immigrants out of the system, our, our system would die, right. it would fall apart. So do you think that perhaps in colleges, or even starting in elementary school, maybe elementary school, middle school, high school, college, that there should be a course offering of cultural tolerance, cultural absolutely uh, tolerance and, and learning about other cultures as a separate course. Yes. You know, just a separate course. And, or or uh, within their curriculum. I think I've noted with my own kids in, edu in the primary level that they're doing a better job, for example, telling the Thanksgiving story. They're no longer, you know, using that idealized myth of, you know, celebratory, the white people having breaking bread with indigenous. No, they're 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 leveling with them, but you have to be age appropriate in doing so, but you can do that. And so this year, as an example, I checked out a couple different great books on Native Americans um, in terms of just to share with them and my son. He said, oh, Mom, we've covered some of this. Hmm. We've been doing some of this in school, and that really made me feel good. Yes, yes. So I think we're, I think we're, we're working towards it. Towards we're moving it. towards it. Yes, that, that's good news. That really is good news. Um, do you think that uh, there's great respect shown other cultures in our country? In some respects. In some respects. In some places. For sure. And I think, you know, we, we're comfortable celebrating a Mexican taco or we're comfortable, um, you know, breaking bread and in 
with people in church, for example, or certain situations. But I think overall, it would help, like you say, to stop with the myths. Let's level with the reality. And that doesn't mean that, again, that we should feel shame. It just means that we should start really looking at how things have played out and work so that we are working towards uh, reconciliation within so, our culture. So in the in the course, then, I'm going to go to the three P's of culture. Remember that I think I mentioned to you about ACFEL that has... They have the three P's. They develop the products of culture, the yeah. practices, practices and perspectives yeah. of culture. Now, are you going to deal with that a little bit in your your class on diversity, where you talk about the products of culture, maybe your practices? And oh, absolutely. Perspectives, right? Yes. Yes, very much so. In fact, in my course, I'm hoping to, um, because I think it's. It, let me be clear, it is not the job, and this is something else I'll point out to my students, it is not the job of people of color to educate white people. There are so many things out there in terms of things that are being celebrated. Literature, of, and I'm using the example of the black history right now, but the literature of black um, writers, authors, um, theater, that there's so much going on right now with that. Music, where we are really open in some respects to celebrating it, we just need to do more of it and we need to educate ourselves. When you can't find it in the system, what I've been shocked about more than anything is the plethora of of readings that there are. I mean, I'm actually yes. overwhelmed because there's so much good stuff. Well, Narrowing it down, what can and stuff. should I include? And then when you include and think about it, and a couple of weeks ago, uh, my wife and I had gone to a, a language conference in Washington, D.C. And we went to the Afro-American Museum, yes, which was extraordinary. It was amazing. It was a, and when you see there, I thought it was so good because they had really captured the uh, the influence that the 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 Afro-American uh, people had in this country over decades and yes. hundreds of years, and great things they did in music and art and uh, sports and uh, business, all those wonderful things that it was uh, f- fabulous stuff, you know. Oh, agreed, And, uh, and agreed. the same with the Latinos, the Latinos in the United States, all the great things the Latinos have done over hundreds of years, and they've been here a long time. So uh, is it not true that uh, then, in, are, are you going to mention that in the course? Then? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And we're going to be looking at, there's a couple of really excellent books. If you're just looking... Yes, um, could to, you tell us some ed- of those books? educate yourself and you yes. don't have time to take a course. Um, one of the books that I really enjoy and think will give you a broad background, but it's not so scholarly that it can't just be read by anybody. It's written well. It's called We Are Not Yet Equal, Understanding Our Racial Divide by Carol Anderson with Tanya Bolden. And it covers the history of our country. Um, that the history that I didn't learn in class on, on blacks and our relationship with the black um, culture in the United States all the way to uh, 2019. Now, when you s- when you say the black culture, the course though is going to focus also on on the Lat- not just Afro American but also the Latino. Well, certainly, and certainly you have other um, people of color. Of course, and yeah. and it's a myth to think that Latinos we have Latinos of color. For sure, in yes. terms of black Latinos. Um, and honestly, all those titles um, are interesting to me because those are all created by the census 
Um, you meet somebody who's Latino, they don't generally identify as Latino. They'll say, I'm Mexican mm-hmm. or I'm Guatemalan. Right, right. Um, and, you know, you can go back and forth in terms of some people want to be called just black. They don't mm-hmm. want to be called African-American. Right, right. Um, people of color, that term, um, it's accepted. But there are some people who really do not like that. I use it more, people of color, to be embracing of all people um, and not just the black community, but and also not just the blacks that live in the United States, citizens of this country, but blacks from other countries that live here as yes, well. Yes, yes. I think it's important that we are able to right. chat about all those different Now, do you have any pieces. other books you would recommend? Absolutely. Another one by Carol Anderson is One Person, No Vote, How Not All Voters Are Treated Equally. Also a fantastic read uh, because it covers voting, the history mm-hmm. of voting for black uh, people in this country all the way from the beginning to now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's another interesting one. Um, you'll hear, you'll understand that I'm doing a lot of black voices because I think that's what we need to do as white people. Listen. Yes. Listen to what they're saying. And watch and observe. Listen observe. And, and believe. Yes. Um, another great one, and this is one really you could pick it up and just read once in a while because it has different sections and all kinds of different topics, but it's called So You Want to Talk About Race? Ijeoma Aluo is the author of it. Fantastic. This is a this is a new one. This came out just in 2018. Uh, we'll be utilizing that. I also, uh, once we have covered a lot of the historical piece, we'll be talking more in depth about white privilege. The reason why you don't start with white privilege is immediately people get uh, defensive. That is not the goal. To understand how we all, all white people, are privileged in the sense of we have never been oppressed by our skin color. That's important to understand because a lot of people can say, well, you know what? I grew up poor. I didn't have it great either. Yes, that's true. Nobody's taking that away from you. But right. you didn't grow up. You didn't. Your oppression was not based on your color. That's really Correct. what we need to understand. Yes. Yes. So a fantastic book by a white person right. um, who really delves into this because you can be 48 years old and suddenly say, wow, I did not realize that I had white privilege. There's nothing right. to be ashamed of that. You're educating yourself while you're doing that and understanding that and working through it. So her book, it's by Debbie Irving, is called Waking Up White, Finding Myself in the Story of Race. Beautiful. It's really a good yeah, one. Yeah, it looks well. like a great book. Yes. Now, what about videos? Are you any videos? Oh, my goodness. Any? There are so many. I, I would recommend just Googling, honestly, the top 25 What are your films. Fa- favorite three? My favorite. Ooh. Favorite three. Right now, or off five. the top of my head, I really love Jordan Peele. He is a um, Afri- African-American director from the United States mm-hmm. who created his own company of all black casts and all black crews because representation matters. Mm-hmm. And Hollywood, unfortunately, doesn't do enough. There's a lot of stereotyping and there's a lot of, um, yeah, that's that's a great film. I don't think we can do it now. Sort of mm-hmm. this sort of attitude. So he take it took it upon himself to have his own people. To have his own people, and he's done two excellent films. I love the film Get Out. I believe it was 2018 or 2017. Get Out was that the Get Out? That it's was a horror a, film. That was the one that got the uh, uh, nomination right for yes, an Oscar. Correct. It, it won. Fantastic I think it won, film. didn't it? I believe he did. I'd have to check that. Um, But it's a fantastic film. The other one he did more recently was called Us. Mm -hmm. Another one um, about, um, it's another horror film, all black cast. Um, I probably am in the majority saying Black Panther. What a fantastic film that was. 
Um, and, you know, you can look at that. But I think the whole um, genre and seeing about, all black cast is so important. I'm going to switch over quickly to sure. a play. What about Hamilton, the play? Oh, my goodness. And the, I don't know if you've heard of that, that, new, that uh, the, his newest video called Immigrants. I have, but I haven't. Oh, seen, my goodness. Yeah. If you get a chance. Have you seen them? Oh, get on YouTube. It is a fantastic, really wonderful. What's it about? Okay, so it's about immigrants in this country, right. but he has, I think there are four or five different singers who represent um, different uh, factions of immigrants within this country. And it just talks about how immigrants lift this country up yes. and contribute so yes. much. It's, it's so uplifting. It's fantastic. Well, and that's one of the things I enjoy when I go see a, a sporting event, you know, the bit the the Pacers or the Colts in, in Indianapolis because of, of a lot of the people of color who are on the teams. Right. And uh, it is uplifting to see how talented they are and, and, and what the great work many of them do in the communities. Oh, helping kids. 100% agree. Helping kids. So we never hear the good things about those guys, but a lot of them are really good people great people and i would say most of them certainly and uh, and th- th- that's certainly fun too one of the things i was going to mention to you and i'm sure you're quite aware of this but racism is back you know i i think until the this present administration i'm going to mention this a little bit but prior to this arrival of the, this administration i thought with uh, Barack Obama, that we had reached a point where, yeah, we're all... Post-racist yeah, society. Yeah, post-racist society. Only to see that we're going backwards again. So it seems like we're on this backward trend again. And I think that's another good point and good reason for you to have your course and that you're doing this because you can help the kids through this, yeah. you know, and see, you know, where we can end up going and how it can be a great experience, you know, which I thought... We did reach that point with Barack and, and Michelle Obama uh, that the great job they did that we made that we made it to that point and maybe you can help them you know. Oh yes, in fact, you hit on something really interesting because arguably it looks like we have just this racist issue now, but racism has been a problem in politics and within our leaders going all the way back to the founding fathers. I mean, Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson was a slave owner. Abraham Lincoln, although he is considered the, you know, he wrote the uh, proclamation, emancipation. Um, But the problem with it is, is he never was pro-black. He was, he was trying to save the union. It was an economical. Yeah, it was more economic. And a lot, and that's some of the learning I've been doing. Um, that I didn't know that I was 48 years old when I read that and understood that he literally his goal was to free the blacks, but he wanted them to go to Liberia. He wanted them to set up in Africa again. Um, and sure, some blacks might have thought that was interesting. But on the other hand, he never said socially or politically he would want them equal. Well, it goes back to and and I remember this when I was younger and I uh, remembered uh, taking part in a lot of that. Uh, I was very proactive with the um, civil rights movement in uh, the 60s. And uh, one of the things that happened with that, though, is that we we saw a lot of this. Uh, the good things happened. Sure. Some there were, really good there things were a lot happened. of bad things, but a lot of good things came out of that. Absolutely. And uh, President Johnson had the, the civil rights law. 
and was yes. in charge of that, did a great job. We'll be talking a lot about that in class. Yeah, that was huge. Ooh, that's another great yeah. film. Selma, Lord Selma. Yes, yeah, that's, yes. I adore that film. It's a yeah. Disney production, believe yeah. it or not. But he did a great job. However, one would think the law of the land is that uh, everybody in this country is equal, right? Oh, yes. And that is the law they of the land. They wrote that. They wrote it. And, and so, and that all took place, a lot of that in the civil rights laws. But now it seems as if we're out in this boat somewhere in the water with no place to go. And it's just like we're not making any progress. And, uh, or we've forgotten about what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, you know, and, some and, of both of those, I think. And this kind of racist attitude in some places is uh, kind of ab- absurd. You know, this that isn't what our country's about. And uh, But anyway, I'm glad you're doing the course. That's going to be a remarkable course. Uh, I do want to recommend one more book. I right. don't think I'll use it in class. Um, I won't have them read it per right. se, all of it, but I'll share right. it. This one, How to Be Less Stupid About Race. Mm-hmm. It's written by a, uh, a doctorate in sociology, mm-hmm. super bright lady, Crystal Fleming. Okay. was, And I think what you're pointing out with Obama would, would be interesting for people to read this um, because she also was a big fan and also almost idealized the idea of a post-racist society. And she's black. So this is not a, right. a white person right. thought pattern. No, no. A lot of people thought that. But... She does a fantastic job of of showing us how we have we we were never post racist, mm-hmm. may have looked that way, but we have a long way to go. But she gives you a lot of things to think about and how to become a, an advocate for people of color, for other cultures. And I think that's going to be the major message I want to drive home to my students after we're done. Now that you've had this experience, think about how you in your own lives can can serve as advocates. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank and you for inviting me. Your students me. are very lucky to have you oh, teaching. Thank you. And especially lucky that you're doing this course because they're going to really learn some incredible things, right? I'm hoping uh, about so. About cultural diversity. And, and uh, just to, it, it's going to awaken them to a lot of oh, yes. new things. Every and, day uh, you'll yes. learn new things. And it never yes. stops. Yes. That doesn't have to be a negative that you didn't know. Right. Beautiful. Yeah. Wanting to learn. Beautiful. Well, and to the listeners, thank you for being with us. And very soon next week, I'm going to be with uh, uh, Lonnie DeShang in uh, Bloomington, Indiana, at Indiana University. Uh, and we're going to talk about the Indiana University Honors Programs for foreign language students uh, in the state of Indiana. And you people in the other states, you can get some ideas and start a program in your state, too, as well. So and maybe get some ideas up from Sarah here today on putting some courses in on cultural diversity. So everybody have a great weekend and I hope you stay warm and we'll see you soon. Thanks for coming to the show. Bye.